Yes, folks, it's Thursday. It's 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray. I think everything's actually running, so this has to be... All right, so I had added in earlier a second Fred cam so you could see me rocking out to the guitar solo, but I <laughs> took it out. Um, I don't know, because I felt like it. So take it away, ladies. Well, we have to protect ratings, don't we? So it's just as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Woo! With that, happy Friday, and welcome to Fillers of Franchising, everybody. Well, it's Friday Eve, technically, Chris. I mean, that's what I meant. Oh, my God. <laughs> More caffeine, more caffeine. <laughs> yeah, Happy that's Friday. running on fumes this week, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. It has been a crazy week. I hope I'm not the only one who has been um, jumping between sports and winter storms, but that's what's been going on, so I don't even really know what day it is. But either way, we have a great show lined up for you today. And uh, to get the show started, as a reminder... Uh, Elizabeth, I'm flying blind here because I don't have our phone number memorized. Holy crap, holy. Do not have our phone number memorized? No, but I'll get it up there for you all. But just as a reminder, you can always um, you can always text in if you need to, and Elizabeth's going to get our phone number up here for you. 323-580-5788. Three, two, three, 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 five, That's 323-580-5755, said the husky-sounding Elizabeth. <laughs> we have voices from afar today. That's hilarious. Yeah, so hey. call in. Um, we've got a great show. We've got a guest to Eric Meyer from Flow Franchising, and we have Jerry on talking about whether or not it's a good idea to bring in your family or second-generation franchise ownership. So if you have questions <laughs> about either of those topics, feel free to give us a call, and we will try to answer your questions. But first, Fabulous. before we start, i got to wish my husband a happy 60th birthday. Oh, I cannot go unnoticed. Happy birthday, Donald. And Elizabeth, happy related to you as well. Thank you. He's Are a nice round sing number. sing to her? <laughs> Are we all hey, singing so, to her? What, Fred? Should we sing to her? No, that's okay. No. I, won't, I don't even let my family sing to me. Yeah, there's not enough people here. We'll put that on the back burner. All right. Yeah. I can accept that. Hey, but. But let's let's talk about word on the street because I had to actually send this article to my eighth grader and ask for his input because I couldn't get it. I I was struggling with the concept of franchising in the metaverse. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and and we talked about this when Jerry and I were down at the Titus Center. Um, one of the things that we brainstormed about and they said their conference was uh, a couple of guys who want to start a metaverse and do sort of a retail space where you can walk through the metaverse and, and have a retail shopping area or services area or whatever it is. And I think it was hard for a lot of people who are not eighth graders to wrap <laughs> their minds around. Um, yeah. There were a couple of students. Uh, Titus Center students that were there, and they were they were all over it. They knew exactly what it was. They knew the value of it. They knew how it would work. 
And the rest of us were still just trying to catch on to the concept a little bit. And in reading this article, Business Insider has an article about McDonald's, Wendy's, and Chipotle are already tiptoeing into the metaverse. Um, and it is hard to wrap your mind around. In fact, at the bottom of that article was another link that somebody had gone into the Chipotle one and came out hungry and confused. <laughs> well, and, that's probably wait, someone our age. Yeah, and so when you were talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, does this mean I could eat like three burrito bowls but never gain a pound? And like, how does that work, right? And then you're like, oh, it has to do with the avatars. I'm like, avatar, so it's not really me. And oh, it has to do with virtual reality. And I'm like, so what exactly happened? And then my son goes, you know, mom, I think it's like you virtually go and you order your food. And the next thing you know, ding dong, the, the bell rings and like your food's on the front porch. And I'm like, you know, I think please? at some point that's what it could be. That's not what it is yet. Um, at, right now, from what these articles talk about it, it's sort of a way to build brand recognition and engagement. So you go in the metaverse, you, you go to the, the, the guy described his Chipotle experience as he walked in and he was a Chipotle worker and he, they took him behind the <laughs> counter and he could help people. And, and then he could be the delivery guy. And they gave him a map through this little metaverse where he could deliver at a certain amount of times. So they're playing games. And then yeah. these games, you get like Chipotle bucks and they, and those go toward real food. Like you could use your, your coupon or whatever it is and go to the Chipotle place and get stuff. Okay, so I would let me imagine eventually it will be a delivery thing, but they're not there yet. Okay. So years ago, I think it was called farm bill. Maybe. Yeah. Um, right. Maybe and so farm bill, my kids. Yeah. Yep. So for me, I like, I could be farm bill for Eric's operation and I could like deliver food virtually to his restaurant. Right. I mean, that's how I get like reality and virtual reality a little bit confused because I'm like, oh my gosh, should I be like this online farmer and then take my crops to like a real <laughs> store? Like, where does reality end in so here's virtual one. craziness? Here's one. I got one for you. So five years ago, we're in 20, yeah, five years ago, I was talking with a virtual reality company about a Molly made franchise in VR. So that way, the the VR people could come up to the Molly Maid and A, have them clean their VR house, but you could talk to a customer service rep in VR and schedule the girls out and get stuff like that. And that was five years ago I was talking to virtual reality companies about that idea. Well, so I love the idea of being able to do a virtual estimate or do a virtual, um, you know, walk, walk you through and explain all the things that you do. But I have to tell you what a disappointment as a client it would be if you do a virtual clean for me, I take off my VR glasses only to find my house just as dirty as it was when I put the goggles on. It's just like more space to pay somebody to clean if they're cleaning your virtual space, right? Right. Well, <laughs> I my... still want my money back. You, you told me I was virtually clean, and turns out you didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> no, see, my theory was was that, A, they would come, come to clean your real house, but since you'd booked them through the virtual reality, they'd also clean your virtual reality house for free. Uh, so we be, might have a while left before that happens, but it yeah. is an interesting idea. Well, it's an interesting yeah. idea, but one of the things that we talked about in our small group when we were brainstorming this for the, the Titus Center guys was the, the trust barrier especially yeah. in the older generation. So in their, in their world, you could walk down your little street or business office building and talk to your insurance guy or talk to service people who provide different kinds of things. 
And I think when you're looking at an avatar, which some of them look cartoony, some of them look more yeah. realistic, but there's going to be a trust barrier if you cannot see some human being that you that wants to take your money or provide you a service like insurance, which is a very important part of your, your existence. So I, I think that it's going to be an interesting thing. And I'm sure with younger generations, maybe that won't be as big of a barrier. But for me, yeah. I'm not going to do certain things without a human face, even if it's on Zoom. Well, Seriously, listen, you really? and I are going to be asked to step aside, ma'am, and I go know. wait in line. And the rest of these guys are just going to be blowing past us. They'll be getting their orders. They'll be done eating. And we're still going to be waiting in line like the old school people trying to <laughs> decide yeah. what we want to eat. So then Jerry's conversation becomes more relevant. When do you pass it all off to your kids, right? <laughs> yeah, because that's really, I mean, and technology is going faster today than ever before. But I just find it so interesting. But this article is great. So if you look up... Uh, the first the, the first uh, headline or, or brand that was displayed was the Wendyverse. And uh, if you look up Wendyverse, you'll find all kinds of stuff related to that. I found it very interesting, and I'd be very curious to see if anybody's been out there and played in that universe before. Um, yeah. Well, and, I, you know, the people, the, the brands that are on there now, and right now they're just doing it for games and fun and engagement, yeah. but they're testing it out as they go. So whenever this does become more of a, a money-making deal, they're going to be yeah. way ahead of the curve because those things are, you know, it takes a lot to create your own little metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> so, so crazy. Um, interesting. One, interesting time. One and quick to think question. We grew, we grew up without the internet and using Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> what a difference 40 years makes. One exactly. question. Kind When's of scary. the last time <laughs> either of you have ever talked to somebody or seen a face-to-face -face when dealing with Google or Facebook or LinkedIn. Never. Uh-huh. Never. Because of the social media age, we've gotten used to dealing with huge mega platforms, spending money on them, and you can't find somebody to talk yeah. to. Yeah. So, but you know what? If I'm paying for a Facebook ad or if I'm paying for a Google ad or uh, any of those services, I'm much less invested in that expenditure than I am in car insurance or life insurance or those Unless you really are, need it. Unless you really yeah. need that life insurance. Even, I mean, I know people do that all the time, but it's just, I think there's a little bit of a barrier there, but you know, yeah. it will all yeah. die off and nobody will care. <laughs> Step aside, lady. <laughs> well, let's get down to brass tacks. I am <clears throat> dying to talk to our guests today. Yes, so today we have an exciting guest. His name is Eric Meyer. Um, he started in franchising in 2005 for GMAC Home Services as the Director of Franchise Development. Ever since, he was hooked on franchising and became a student of the industry, working his way up through the executive ranks at iconic brands such as Express Employment Professionals, Mako, Amco, and United Franchise Group. Uh, he was tasked to grow startups right through the Fortune 500, where most recently he served as the National Vice President of Franchising for Coldwell Bankers. Prior to being appointed as CEO for Good Life Organic Kitchen, uh, that was the banking. Eric lives in suburban Philadelphia with his wife of 20 years and three very active children, 16, 13, and 9, so I'm guessing they know about this metaverse as well. Uh, his goal now is to grow Good Life Organic Kitchen into a household name. So, Eric. Awesome. Yay, you're in my atmosphere of craziness yeah. with all those kids. That's great. 
Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, the, the kids, you, you're spot on because the metaverse is certainly something that my children talk about. And um, <laughs> I think it's just the way that we're going. You know, yeah. Like organic Kitchen's been fortunate enough to start taking advantage of some technology already. So uh, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. So tell us about this. I mean, I was checking this out. I was actually looking at some of the great foods that you have um, showcased on your website because um, my dad, my dad actually just switched over to this like super, uh, I'll call it, he's working to make sure he can get off all of his diabetic medications, right? So we switched off of a lot of meats and all the carbs. And so I was looking at this food. I'm like, oh, look at all this stuff. You guys have some really interesting things on the menu. Tell us about the strategy, where you're going, how you got here. Sure. Sure. So uh, actually, I'm not the founder of the company. Uh, a gentleman named Connor Delaney is, and Connor founded the company because uh, very similar to uh, your father, he had uh, some medical issues. He actually had uh, cancer. Found, they found a lump in his chest when he's, and he's a very young gentleman, uh, but they found a lump in his chest. The prognosis was never bad. However, it was one of those things that his doctor said, you need to start cleaning up your eating. And uh, that's really where it's, it started. Connor has been a um, financial planner by trade. He's a very young gentleman, but he uh, has a financial planning firm with a little bit more than $10 billion under asset management. So he's already had a directive in his life to just do very well. And while the cancer prognosis was going and he was treatment was going, he came up with the idea to um, put a good life organic kitchen inside of his financial planning firm, not only for himself and the employees, but also for his customers of good life uh, advisors. And the reason why was that people were living longer and longer. They wanted their money to last longer and longer, but then take care of your body as well. So that was really the premise behind it. However, now it's grown into a cult following, if you will, where certainly we have other competitors in the space. And Good Life Organic Kitchen does juices, smoothies, bowls, salads, all organic, but mostly key differentiation point is that we're as much as we possibly can. So the social mission for our business is a lot stronger than many. Uh, we believe in supporting local communities. We buy mm-hmm. from local vendors. And so different than companies like Clean Juice, Smoothie King, um, right. Java Juice, and Viable, right? So we really believe in a rising tide blows all ships. And it's been amazing to see the franchisees' reaction to this, uh, potential franchisees' reaction to this, and more importantly, the customers. We can service anybody that's gluten-free, dairy-free, any type of allergy, really. We can accommodate that. And being fortunate enough to walk in and you know, open up and start all these businesses up, uh, walking in and kind of undercover boss, if you will, and I walk in and I hear customer stories and they're amazing, right? Customers are talking about how we've given them an option to not only be organic or gluten-free, but if they do have allergies, that we're their source to go out and get something more than just a black bean burger. Man, talk uh, about <laughs> It's been one of those great rides. You know, yeah. We have six franchisees. Uh, we're opening up locations now in Fort Lauderdale, Nashville, um, Bend, Oregon, uh, and then two more down in Kissimmee and Celebration, Florida, and then Massachusetts. And then we just most recently signed uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. So we signed an entire county. And it's been growing like mad. I've got more brokers, more everybody coming in and trying to get a part of this business. And we've been very selective. So I feel like I've learned my, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as I cut my teeth in the franchise years ago, I, I learned all the bad things to stay away from. And a lot of that is involved with taking bad franchisees and trying sure. to give the best franchisees the most amount of support. Well, I think that's really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, who your ideal franchisee is? Do they need to have kind of a a fitness or wellness background? Who are you looking for when you look for franchisees with your brand? 
Yeah, ideally what we're looking for is just somebody that believes more in the social mission of trying to impact people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. We look at our core customers that are either, you know, we we have a a wide spectrum, right? Uh, If I break it down almost through the hours, I won't go hour by hour, but we have people that are key core workout fitness fanatics that are coming in to replenish a meal after they've worked out. So that's our early morning crowd. And then we Mm -hmm. have the, you know, mid-morning mostly the uh, stay-at-home parents that may have gone to the gym, uh, mostly at the social channel for them, and then they want something healthy in their lives. And then right. uh, 11 to 2 is everything from the teenagers to the octogenarian, who, mm-hmm. and these are people that may have tried something healthy and organic before, and it might have yeah. been something where it could have been, um, you know, they, they just want to try it for the first time, right? And okay. then after that, we, we go into that late morning uh, or late afternoon rush where we're getting either the single people that are coming in, you know, the sales warriors of the world, Right up mm-hmm. to the end of the day, where people uh, are trying to get something for for you know, nighttime. So our ideal franchisee is somebody that understands that entire life cycle, right? And it's okay. somebody that is trying to make an improvement in their um, you know in their own lives. Number one, because that's, mm-hmm. let's face it, that's what business ownership is, and is. And franchises, sure. although entrepreneurial, they're really semi-entrepreneurial. Right. They, we have to give them that system and that tool. So they're depending That's on right. us and relying on us for that. And I think we've done a, a very good job of that. So that franchise has got to also be self-motivated and self-started to want to go out mm-hmm. into the community, work with the local farm partners, talk to them. And it's still somewhat uh, not sales, but salesy. Right. You've got to go out and tell sure. those farming partners on why uh, you know, be sending their customers to you because they're getting that product there. So it right. really is a lot of face to face time and interaction believe in community supporting community so a franchisee yep. at the end of the day has to have that intrinsic motivation to do that and that's really what we look for first uh, you know the second thing is i know a lot of franchisors will shy away from uh, people that may not have the full liquid capital uh, that are always required right and if you don't mm-hmm. have it in your bank they won't talk to you well all the years in franchising that's not worked right i mean we've, we've right. turned away tons of people that are good people that quite frankly, we're looking for that person that has to burn the boats and go all in because that person's going to work harder than the person that has a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank and hopefully uh-huh. will show up. Uh, and I've seen that in multiple I've worked for. So we're really looking for somebody that wants to come in and wants to be a part of the industry. They want to be here with us. Uh, you know, we all talk in the franchise industry, as you know, about the Fran fam, right? But, you know, now right, these people right. are our family. And yeah. uh, it's, 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 you know, we want somebody that, that family goal-oriented ideal to them as well. And quite, and again, it, it comes down to the common denominator. They have to be able to be willing to serve the community. And if they are, okay. and they're good stewards of their community, the rest will take care of itself. I think part of that, um, probably, I would imagine, in in several communities, not a lot of, uh, you know, they would spend some time educating in within the community about healthy eating and things of that nature too, right? But whether it be through networking groups or of something course. to make sure. Yeah. Okay, that's very cool. And yeah. so, so I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. building on that point, Kristen, the the part about community engagement. I was. Um, yeah. You have you have locations that offer cooking classes, catering other things that That's are right. connected to the community, right? So I would does that that plays a part of educating people on exactly what it is you do and who you are. And is that a, a great way for you to build a customer base? It is. And I'll tell you what, you hit on a really um, kind of heartwarming story in a uh, part for myself. So we do do that. Our company owned store is based in Reading, Pennsylvania. And uh, Reading has a school system that's somewhat impoverished. So prior to COVID, we were going out and taking um, the kids of these school districts and bringing them in and showing them how to make healthy food for about a dollar a day. And, you know, it was a really good feel good side. And class after class came in and then 
finally I had this teacher pull me aside and she goes, Mr. Meyer, what you're doing is amazing. And I, went, I felt great. And she goes, but these kids don't have access to blenders. And oh. I was like, oh, it took the wind completely out of my sails. I said, well, how do we get them food? What, we, what can we do? It's like, you know, you got to spend time with them and show them how to prepare things that don't need that. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, you know, that education piece stuck with me. And it hit home. And, you know, you start thinking about it. It's like, wow, how lucky are we to have what we have? How lucky are we for our customers to be able to spend nine ninety five on a smoothie that is going to fill them up totally. all day? But a lot yeah. of people that. And that was something that we really had to focus on. And it's community education to that. So we just started a Good Life Gives Back Foundation where our franchisees will have the capability. And we had to work on this with our point of sale system, which is Toast. And they've, done an, they've been amazing partners of ours. Uh, but we had to work on that with them on how do people round up. So it's, it's a very similar um, thing as keep the change from Bank of America. So oh, yeah. customers will now have the ability to round up their yeah, it's neat. It's so the ability to round up to the nearest dollar or next dollar, and then any of those dollars will go back into the community, and our franchisees will be the ones that will be able to source that. So, again, another feel-good business. That's awesome. I think that, I mean, that's a, a huge thing, and Ray and I talk about that all the time, and, well, Jerry does too, but, you know, that was the reason that I chose the model I did because we had a way to give back, and I think that's so important. Let's talk a little bit, as you compared some of the other brands that are in your space, what is your foot? look like compared to say a Jamba Juice or a Tropical Smoothie Cafe? Are you around the same size? Do you look for the same type of locations? Yeah, sure. So ideally, you know, when we first started this, our company-owned store was about 1,100 square feet, and it's very small, and we needed more space. So then we decided that a 15 to 1,600 square foot model was going to be the best. Well, we had a franchisee that went a little bit outside those boundaries, and now they're around 2,200 square feet, and the place is packed all the time. So, you know, unfortunately, when you're at a startup or an emerging franchisor, uh, you know, you don't really always have the luxury of saying, this is what we're going to do. Unfortunately, we're always adaptive and we're always willing to change. And I like to say we have to break a couple eggs to make an omelet. So, you know, right now it's still a 16 to 2200 square foot uh, base, but that may continue to change as we continue to evolve our menu. Right now, we're uh-huh. very similar to that clean juice, um, you know, type of. Uh, we, because they're organic and they do a very nice job of that. However, right. um, you know, from our side is that you go into, I'm not knocking them at all, they're, they're a phenomenal brand, but sure. if you go into their facilities or their stores, it's very specific. And we have more of a relaxed environment. We want our customers hanging out and staying with us as long as they want to. Mm-hmm. Face it, we're coming out of COVID and we want to be able to with our customers again. So, yeah. uh, you know, we, we have that really warm environment. People walk in and they just love the place. They sit down. We chose very cool, common colors. We chose colors that people will want to stick around. It makes them feel good. Uh, and awesome. again, it's another feel good business. So, you know, the business model has been set to, to have to uh, not have to open up with a tremendously large amount of footprint and more importantly, mm-hmm. not a lot of money cash outlay. That's awesome. I mean, we have a lot of people who are listening who are thinking about business models and all right now. Where are some of the key markets that you're looking to go into? Do you have some um, strategic uh, states that you want to expand in first, second? What's, what's your growth strategy right now? Yeah, it's it's been weird because we've had more people come to us and just want to either master franchise this or you know take it and grow. And I don't want to be a Dunkin' Donuts where I'm just coming in and, and franchising anybody. Yeah. Uh, although they again, another phenomenal brands, right? We're very what we take. So it's it's always been a case of no matter what brand I work for, it's like, wow, why aren't you here? You need to come here. And my <laughs> is, we, we just need a franchisee there. So 
So suppose you're being strategic enough about saying, hey, we'd love to grow here. Uh, you know, we weren't afraid to say uh, we have a Bend, Oregon location opening up. So Reading, Pennsylvania to Bend, Oregon, obviously we couldn't get yeah. further apart or just about any further apart. But we weren't, we weren't afraid to push that boundary. The franchisee partner out there, Shanda Elliott, is amazing. She wasn't afraid to push that boundary. And we said, let's go for it. So from a yeah. supply chain standpoint, we don't make money from franchisees buying food from us or buying any product right. from us for, for that example, right? So that's where a big differentiator between the rest of those brands and us, right? We don't have mm-hmm. our hand in that pocket. So we can extend out the cook and extend out the supply chain uh, anyway, as long as the franchisee can get that. So that's part mm-hmm. of our due diligence process with the franchisees. Can we make sure we get the them? Because we don't buy from Cisco. We don't buy from U.S. Foods. We buy local. Right. So and we want the franchisee to be able to have that. Yeah, we're always willing to expand as long as we have a good franchise partner. And as long as that mm-hmm. happens, we will go anywhere uh, other than Maryland and Virginia. Those states are horrible with their registration. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's, it's very interesting. I'm serious. Usually... I, I, will, I, will, I will never go there. Yeah, I don't blame you. There's a couple other I can think of, but I won't say that. Um, uh, well, okay, California and Illinois. Um, but anyway, I look at um, yeah. some of this, and, you know, we usually say, you know, restaurants aren't necessarily the place to cut your teeth if you haven't been in the restaurant industry, but yours is slightly different. So do you recommend people who haven't been in the QSR restaurant space, do you recommend this model for them? Is this an easy enough to learn model? Yeah, you know, it's really fun. It's a great question because franchise brokers for years have always stayed out of the food space. You know, they were always so afraid of it because one in five restaurants fail within the first You'll never do that, right? I mean, yeah. And yeah. watching a couple of boss that's on there all the time. So I'd rather be a lot more strategic about it and say, you know, hopefully we'll get the 200 units here in four more years, which with the amount of franchisees that we have under construction and development, that's extremely possible. That's not a you know, blowing wind, so that's the that number. That would be great. Uh, yep. A lot of franchisors have made, in my opinion, have been they just put together these development schedules, which are completely unrealistic. So our development schedule now looks something like this. You open up 180 days later, uh, so your six-month anniversary, you now have two and a half years to open up your next door. We right. why push on it. Let them develop. Let them understand the marketplace. Let's figure out where the next strategic spot to go inside that county, territory, area, whatever it may be. Right? And yeah. by doing that, think about this from a franchisor perspective. We've now taken a lot more work off of our shoulders right? because we have that franchisee who we know and have a relationship with. Right? It's uh-huh. a good feeling. And more importantly, the franchisee feels like we're not just have another franchisee down their throat. So, you know, from a, from a finance side, we can, you know, Good Life Organic Kitchen franchising could sustain for years and years and years without taking any outside capital. So we don't need it, right? We want to have good franchise partners and build a fantastic franchise system. And I feel like that's what we're doing. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. So tell me, um, for people who are looking at a franchise like this, what's the best way for them to go about getting information from you about GLOW? Sure. Uh, I mean, they can search goodlifeorganickitchen.com, and that's our consumer-facing site. We have a uh, franchise site, which is GLO Franchising for Good Life Organic. All right, so glofranchising.com, and then the information's there. I'm more than happy to provide my phone number, 484-757-0175, or my email, which is emeyer, E-M-E-Y-E-R, at glofranchising.com. Uh, the, the one thing that I think is great about this is – 
at anybody, any of the franchisees, employees, customers, I will always hand out my card. We don't hide for anybody. We want people experiencing this. At the end of the day, I've got two constituent cases, right? The first one's the franchisee because without them, we would be nowhere. And the second one is the end user, the customer of Good Life Organic Kitchen. And I'm equally accountable to both. So if somebody has a problem, I want them reaching out to us. We have those directly on this website, both consumer and uh, and franchising site alike. So on a weekly basis, I get emails from customers, and I'm the one that responds to them. And then they're so sure. impressed, and I don't know why they're impressed. I feel like there's, <laughs> you know, corporations have built this uh, higher, you know, white, a white ivory tower, uh, and people are just getting intoxicated off their own fumes and not going out there and meeting with their customers. And that's why people lose. That's why customers right. leave, because you're not a, you know, attracted to them enough and, and attached to them enough. And if you do yeah. that, you'll have a really great business. And the franchisees will have a yeah, I totally agree. And, and one question that I skipped that I, I know that um, I, I needed to ask you is, what type of an investment should people be expecting when they look at uh, at a global franchise? Sure. So that number can range right now because we find second-generation space. Unfortunately, there's a lot of restaurants that have gone down because of COVID. So if that's the case, right now our franchise fee is $47,500, so they'd have to pay that. And then, of course, any equipments that they would be missing out of that restaurant. In some cases, we've had a franchisee open up for a little under $25,000 because they went into a, I wouldn't say the name of the brand, but a restaurant that is failed. That is a franchise location. So it wound up working out perfectly for them. Right. And then with build outs, it can range, you know, the build out cost is about $180,000, or so. Uh, and we've had a tremendously large amount of success in having the franchisees uh, have those dollars picked up by the landlord. So, you know, we've got a great team here of people that are always willing to help. I've got real estate people, marketing people, you know, corporate finance people. I can get anyone financed right now with great rates. These are outside the SBA rates. In fact, they're better than the SBA rates uh, because the same lenders been lending to us and all of our franchisees have been not only making their payments on time, but prepaying a lot of items. So I've got great uh, finance partners as well who are willing to say, hey, this is a very safe credit risk for us. So let's keep on lending to them. Well, I think it sounds like you have a great brand, and I love the social aspect of it, not only from, you know, getting back to the community, but being so socially responsible and helping everyone live more healthy lives and, and certainly supporting our farmers, which I think is really important. So I'd like to thank you for, our t- for your time today, and I look forward to hearing more about GLOW as you continue to grow your business. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y dot com. Kristen. Jerry, how are you? I am excellent. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to see that you are moving and shaking like I am today. 
Hey, you know, about half of these shows I have to do for my truck because I'm between businesses, I'm between arrangements, I'm between coaching sessions, I'm somewhere. So just another day. Well, there's no rest for the weary. That's what we say, right? No, and, and you know, when you love franchising as much as we do, you just do what you have to do, right? That's right. And I always tell people, you know, the reason I got into this is so I can have work-life balance with my family. And sometimes we balance at times we least expect. <laughs> yeah. And that means you get to go to multiple baseball games in the same day, right? Well, doing a show. Like, how does that happen, right? <laughs> hey, well, I can't wait. Speaking of family, like, this is what we're talking about, right? Generation two? You know what? Anybody that's brought their family into the company, uh, they're going to enjoy this. Or anybody that would think about bringing their family into the company, because this, this is literally what makes my life so exciting right now is, you know, we've been able to transition most of the responsibilities for one of our companies to our two daughters and our son-in-law, they are running it as good or better than we ever did. And we're changing their lives and their children's lives by doing that. So it's, it's a phenomenal experience. And it's also not even the last chapter of the book. It's beyond the last nope. chapter of the book because <laughs> it's the next chapter of the book, right? Yeah. Well, the question that I have for you is how did you know, or how would somebody know, if their kids are the right kids to run the business. I mean, I have three kids and not all of them are necessarily into running my business. How do you know? Well, you know, a lot of times parents uh, start their business and their kids go off to college and their kids go off and start their own career. And the parents say, you know, I don't think any of my kids are going to be interested, but you just never know. So first off, there's a lot of different ways to consider your kids coming in. Uh, when we started our business, we never even thought about our children coming in. It was not even on our radar. Uh, shame on us, right? But the, the fact is, um, as we got it going, uh, our youngest daughter came in and started. She was a mascot for us. She did uh, ended up helping with bookkeeping and payroll and so on. And she just ended up enjoying it. Now, she still went to college for something different. But in college, she circled back. And she remembered the lifestyle that we had. And she remembered, you know, working from her home office instead of going to the office somewhere or something like that. And that's really the lifestyle she wanted. So, so she came in and basically said, hey, I want to work for you. Now, at that point in time, we didn't even really think about her owning the company, although, you know, that was a possibility. Now, our older daughter, we didn't get into the business until she was in college. So she didn't have any idea what was going on with it. She went out and had a career. And then, as I said, when I started this, she circled back and said, you know, I'm not excited about my career anymore. I'm looking for a change. You guys have room for me. And we were growing so fast that we needed help and we needed, you know, responsible. So you talked about how do you know, if you bring your kids up right and they've had the, they've learned some work ethic from you, uh, even athletes, right? You got to go to practice all the time. You got to have a good head on your shoulders and so on. You, you know, parents will learn quickly if their children have, a reasonable chance of making it in the franchise world. And I will tell you, we brought our kids in and they had to work harder than our employees did for a long time. You know, we didn't give anything to them. Um, in fact, in the book, my daughter, Sam talks about, you know, you, you're getting ready to go out on date night with your husband. You got a babysitter lined up, the car's warmed up. You're jumping in the car to go out with your husband, spouse, whatever. And so Gary, home. if you lost me or if I lost you, uh, I'm still here. So you just don't know, but you have to be ready 
to uh, make that decision. And bringing your kids in to experience the business is a great way to do it. Yeah, and I think um, it's, I'm hoping that you are getting me on here because this has kind of turned into a little bit of crazy. Elizabeth, nod your head if you can still hear me. We, yeah, we can hear you. Well, she's frozen. Okay, good. Excellent. So I think that um, it's, it's really interesting because when you have multiple kids, right, you don't really know what path they're going to take. And I, I think it was great that your daughter went out to try her career at something else and then decided she wanted to come back. And, you know, part of having your own business, and for me as well, was so that I could show my Now Kristen's frozen. I think I know where she was going, getting the chance to show your kids what the experience in the business is like, what the opportunities are like, and those kinds of things. That can be huge for you. But uh, some advice I would give is bring your children in, let them experience it. If they're, if they're interested, let them experience, and then make some decisions based on that experience. We had a lot of heart-to-heart -heart talks with our children as they were working as employees of ours so that they understood what it was going to be like. And so there was no secrets, there were no surprises. And, um, and they started working harder than we were, just to be very honest. So it was an easy transition when we decided to let them go ahead and take over that part of the business. Well, and Terry, expectation setting is really important, don't you think, too? I've worked for my dad in, di in, in different times. I've had siblings who've worked for my dad. We all worked with him some better than others. You know, I think when you have those expectations and you have those hard talks, uh, that's critical to the success of the thing. And as a child of, of a professional, I had no idea how hard my dad worked. And I saw him in a whole different light. So I think it can be really good for the relationship too. When they, when you, when you as a 20 something come in and go, oh my gosh, I have no idea. Well, what it there's a, to, do all this. <laughs> to your point, Elizabeth, there's a certain part of that. That's like you and me against the world. Right. So like in our business, uh, my daughter Sam and my son-in-law Jeff, they took over everything that I was doing. They split it between them. Our daughter Shelly took over Mickey's part of it. And to your point, none of them realized how hard the job was till they had to do it. And then when they run into trouble and they call to talk to us or something like that, get some advice, we are, uh, you know, we're talking from a different standpoint because uh, they've experienced it, we've experienced it, and we're, we're kind of battling the same battle. So uh, it, it is a great, a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, I look at it as an opportunity for them and their children to live a different life moving forward because they do have this business they're taking over. Right. And you took away some of that initial hard work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting, getting here. They got to skip that part. Right. So, yeah. But it, you, know, you know what? It's very special to have that us against the world type of thing with your parent. And anytime somebody was hard on my dad after that, like a, a sibling or a family member, I would be like, you have no idea what you're talking right. about. So you just hush up right now. So there, yeah. there's, there's a bonding thing that goes forward because you're both invested in the same thing. And the, the respect level, I think, often goes up. So I, I, I think that's a nice side benefit, right? Well, and you know, everybody that's a parent understands a lot of times you try and advise your child, whether it's a life thing or something like that. And the vast majority of the time, the children are, you know, kind of wondering about whether they should listen to their parent or whatever the case might be. But the fact is that um, when you share that job for a while and then they take over, it becomes, uh, it becomes their job and they start trusting you more. They start listening to you more, uh, not only on the job related things, but on everything, because there's a different level of trust there. 
uh, once you get into that position. So, Jerry, I want to ask you something that's a little bit um, beyond what we're talking about. What, how does how does it feel for you to have them doing what they're doing in a business that you began in terms of legacy? Well, it it, it warms my heart. I think that's the best way to put it. You know. Um, you're, we talked about it. Mickey and I took all the risk. We put all of our money into it. We borrowed millions of dollars to build it and so on. Um, but, but that doesn't even enter our mind anymore. We want our kids to, you know, take this over gradually. And, you know, my, the standing joke is when I'm retired, just send me a check. You take care of it from there. But, you know, the, the fact is um, I don't even care if they buy it as long as uh, it, it's going to be theirs someday anyhow. Um, so, yes, there's a legacy part for me. Uh, my grandkids theoretically will remember us because of what we set them up to accomplish moving forward. Um, it, it means a tremendous amount. And, you know, maybe one other thing I can tell you, to see your children recognized by franchisees and corporate people all over the United States mm. for what they stand for and what they've accomplished and the reputation they've built for themselves under this heading is more than you could ever expect as a parent because, you know they actually put the time and effort in. They worked hard. Uh, yeah, we gave them a boost and we pushed them in the right direction, gave them that first piece of their education. But the majority of it, they did themselves, and they're being recognized for it. So uh, we're very blessed to be able to be in that position. Well, congratulations, Jerry, because I don't think everybody as a family could could necessarily put into place what you have been able to accomplish with your kids. And so I think it's a testament to to, to the family dynamic that you all have. So. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. You know, it's, uh, it is, and, it, and, and we really appreciate it. And trust me, when you're in a family business, you don't always see eye to eye, and yep. there are some, some difficult discussions. But at the end of the day, you walk away, and you're still family, and you make it work. And at this point in time, we're letting them make most of the decisions. So um, before we move on, you know Fred's going to uh, ask, right? Is of this course a good he is, time? so you, you got to preempt it. Yeah. Is You've learned a your good lesson time a time or two, yeah. <laughs> and it is absolutely a phenomenal time. Uh, you just heard, heard Eric talk about his um, his uh, beautiful business that he's got there, and you heard him say that his lenders were anxious to lend money on that and so on. And I think you may not find it to that level, but you will find the same kinds of things across the spectrum right now because franchising is a very safe place for people to put their time and money. Uh, it's got a, if you join an existing franchise brand, something that's got a little bit of time in it, it, uh, it is a very safe place. Uh, you'll be able to, you know, look at the FDD and see what the financial side of it looks like for you moving forward. Um, I cannot emphasize enough, it's a great time to look at buying a business. And when you got people like are on this call who can mentor you and help you, you've got it going on. So I would suggest they take a hard look at it, Elizabeth. Good advice. Thank you as always, Jerry. All right. We want to thank our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising and FranchiseShow247.com. Check out both of their websites. Um, as Jerry mentioned, if you are looking for a mentor uh, on your franchise journey, if you're looking to buy a franchise, we can certainly help you. Reach out to us by email. You can reach out to Kristen at Kristen at, the, at PillarsOfFranchising.com or Elizabeth at PillarsOfFranchising.com and we will direct you to who you need to speak with. We want to thank you all for joining us on the show today with our guest, Eric Meyer. Uh, please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you, as usual, to Jerry Akers of Great Clips in the Joint, um, to Fred McMurray, our producer, and Kristen Shell Messi. 
Um, together, we are your resource for franchising success. Uh, this has been the Pillars of Franchising, and the dream starts here. Thank <laughs> you.